All right. Let's do this. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Third Culture Podcast. A podcast by two third culture kids. I'm Faith. And I'm Krista. And this is the pilot episode, I guess. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Oh, goodness. Here this we go. This is going to be so good. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Sup. This is us. This has been a long time coming. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that it's happening. It's here. It's here. No one asked for this, and yet... <laughs> no. <laughs> just kidding. And here we are. Some people have asked for this, so we're not completely just pulling this out of thin air. You may hear my squeaky chair. We're coming to you live from the loft at my parents' house. <laughs> so you may hear some ruckus in the background. This is just real life. Cool. So why are we called Third Culture Podcast, Yes. What is a third culture kid? What are we? Who am I? Who art thou? Well, third culture is a term, is a terminology that is specific to those people, kids particularly, who have grown up in different parts of the world throughout their whole life. So they're citizens of everywhere and also of nowhere. According to the BBC. Yes. Yes. And that's kind of the reasons why we wanted to name this the Third Culture Podcast. Yeah. And there's a couple other definitions and reasons why we chose this thing, too. Not just that we're Third Culture kids, but we also love Jesus. The whole idea of a part of a Third Culture is the idea that our citizenship isn't here or any in anywhere that we can see, necessarily. In fact, that this isn't our home, mm -hmm. that we have a heavenly kingdom yes. that we strongly believe that we are a part of. And so that is that whole idea of belonging to a third culture outside of what we see. And, and also, us being people who love Jesus, we're also in ministry and we are in current ministry. We serve at our local church and we practice just the third culture living, which is God first, other second, and we are third. Da -da -da -da, that, is why, that is why we are called the Third Culture Podcast. Third Culture Podcast. So we've been researching, I yes. guess, been listening to a lot of podcasts leading up to this. Like, what do we want this to look like? How serious do we want to be? Exactly. How funny do we want to be? Will we still have jobs after this? <laughs> after this episode? <laughs> Would we still have friends? Will we still have friends? Question. That being said, I guess it goes without saying, our opinions don't necessarily reflect exactly the ministries that we're a part of. So um, if we say any kind of thing that seems kind of weird... We are so sorry. We're sorry. We it's just our brains. in advance. It's our... <laughs> how our brains work um my lateral lisp singing yeah we're praying against heresy <laughs> yes that oh just lord help it's frightening help yeah it's frightening <laughs> so yeah let's start with our stories i guess uh yeah. what makes us third culture kids where are you from those, that, those are some questions that we get asked i think as third culture kids what are some difficult what are some other difficult questions that people ask us so some really hard questions that um, third culture kids have to answer. One of the hardest questions that we are asked is, where are you from? I don't know. <clears throat> we don't know. <laughs> where are you from? Or, or where did you grow up? 
Mm-hmm. Um, or where is your hometown? Mm-hmm. Like those kind of questions are very, very difficult. Yeah. I was born in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And I did live in the Philippines. But we moved around so much that I can't. I can't tell you, like, I, we mm. moved every four years of my life. Right. And so it's like... Living in equal parts, random, random countries. places and right. countries. And so it's so it's like, oh, where are you from? My normal answer is, I live in Murrieta right now. <laughs> Current <laughs> living space. Is usually my, my short answer. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So where, where, how would you answer that if people had the time to... Oh, sit if they and could, listen yeah. to you. <laughs> if Chris, not, not, where like, are you from? Okay, so uh, really long, the short story in the extended version, I guess, it would be I was born in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and from the Philippines, my family moved to Brunei, which is a small island in mm-hmm. between the Philippines and like Indonesia area. Um, tiny, tiny country. And Why then, Brunei? My dad got a job there, mm. so my dad is an IT guy. He's a like a developer, and so mm-hmm. um, Brunei is a British colony, and so we moved there. And then from there, we went to Canada. So yes, to all my Canadians out there, I am Canadian. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, and then from Canada, we moved to Miami, Florida. All mm. my schooling was in Miami, Florida. All of my high schooling was in Miami, Florida. Then we moved to mm. California. And then from California, I moved specifically to Phoenix by myself. And then Ooh. now I'm back. <laughs> and then to Phoenix. Phoenix. Right? I know. So that's my, that's my short extended version. What about you, Faith? What is your short extended version? Mm, my short extended version of my origin story. I was born in San Diego. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, but he had retired shortly after I was born. And then we moved to the Philippines. I think I was like three, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I barely remember. As I was learning English, I was also learning Tagalog. I lived out there for quite a few years, moved back to the States, at some point moved to Texas for like four months, and then Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. That one people tend to be very surprised about. Like, what? You lived in the Middle East? Yeah, I lived there for from fourth grade through eighth grade. Yeah. And it was a good amount of time. It's a solid amount of time. <laughs> it's a solid amount of time. And then back to the States. And then we just moved up and down California. I think my dad even counted how many times we've moved. I think by the time I was in high school, we had already moved 14 times. Oh. Yep. I could be wrong, <laughs> but I don't know. But quite a few times. And yeah, so that's that's it. Equal parts, Philippines, California, and the Middle East, I would say. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm much older now. I guess the longest I've stayed in one place has been Temecula, Marietta. Same. Which is where we live. And yeah. it's so weird. How long has it been for you, Temecula, Marietta? Oh, on and off since sophomore year of high school, which was... 45 years ago. <laughs> We're actually 60-year-old I'm actually a 60-year-old woman, but also six years old. I had moved here in 2005. Five. And then at some point, I got tired of it and then moved back to San Diego for a little bit and then came back. But Dang, yeah. 14 years in one spot. I don't like that. I know. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like it. I just constantly want to be somewhere else. Yeah, there's always an itch, right? There's always an itch. So uh, what were some difficult things about growing up and moving around for you? Um, I think when you, when you move around that often, 
and it becomes like a pattern you kind of like know that it's happening and you 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 also know like it's going to happen again mm-hmm. um i think that one of the hardest things is like making really deep friendship connections right and this was before the internet too yeah so you're like we could be pen pals and i'll write you a letter and you get it a month later, later. <laughs> it's like we're at war if i get- <laughs> If I got your address correctly and I put enough stamps on the letter, <laughs> maybe it'll get to you. Maybe. It wasn't lonely. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. lonely thing, but like you just don't know how much depth you were allowed to have mm-hmm. just because you don't know how long you were going to be right. in that one particular place. That's true. So that was, I mean, it was hard, but it wasn't hard. It was, I think it was mm-hmm. just a thing that you had to kind of prepare yourself for. Yeah. Yeah, you, because you open yourself up to people that you eventually call friends, and then, I guess we got really good at making friends. Yeah, that's something. I that's think very easy. I learned how to make friends really quickly because I didn't know how much time I would have with them. Yeah, whether it be a school year, like I would always be super blessed. Like, oh, we're here for a whole school year. That's yeah. nice. That's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> and so you get to know people, and then yeah, just the prospect of you possibly moving and before the internet you're just like well i'm never gonna see you ever again <laughs> later bff friends are friends <laughs> till you leave and uh <laughs> <laughs> so there's that you get good at making friends and you also get good at being vulnerable really fast but then closing yourself off really fast I right think that's- you like you had to make the best of the time immediately because you just don't know <laughs> immediately immediately Yes. But how did that affect family dynamics, though? Oh, my family is so close. Yeah. Um, my older, well, my brothers, I have an older brother and a younger brother. We're very far apart in age. So we've been mostly independent. We kind of, like, help raise each other because we're so much older, like eight, nine years older and younger than one another. But we were also very protective of each other because when we would be traveling and I'm, like, 10 years old, my brother is two years old, so I'm constantly watching him and... My older brother is nine years older than me, so he's constantly protecting me. And if we're in a different culture, we're just learning it together. And the different things that we learn at different age groups, we're able to (laughs) cross-train. That makes sense? Cross-training one another of, like, what is it like for my older brother to be in high school as an American in the Philippines? What's it like for me to be in fourth grade uh, in the Middle East when my brother is an infant like right. we all had different experiences wherever we moved it really molded us together very yeah. well and I feel like as third culture kids we have a very strong connection to our parents too because it's our parents who are moving us out there so you mm-hmm. have to trust your parents you yeah. know if especially if you're in a different country where they speak a different language when you're traveling and moving from place to place you Really trust your parents because no one else will understand you. Right. You're a child and you don't know what a culture is like, but your parents have definitely at least have done the responsible thing of researching the country that you're moving to and they understand a little bit more. So you grow to really respect and honor your parents yeah. for uprooting your family and planting mm. you yeah. somewhere. You know, but something I think about too is like, I now that I, like I'm in my 30s now and my parents were around my age mm-hmm. when they were moving their oh, children. Oh, that's so weird. And in my head, I'm like, they must have had to exert so much courage mm-hmm. to 
kind of be the spearhead of them entering into a different culture. A whole like, other culture. Yeah, because, like, me as a kid, I mean, like, I just tagged along when my parents went, but, like, my dad mm-hmm. and my mom had to literally, like, our parents had to learn, mm-hmm. like, the the adulting in a completely different culture, in a different, like, completely different it's so language, you know? like crazy. I remember particularly, like, one time we... We really lived in Brunei at the time, and my mom went grocery shopping. You know, like there's like wet markets in Brunei, and um, and she had to learn like certain. Oh, sorry, that was class. <laughs> Think, um, like certain like cultural um, things. Like mm-hmm. like in Brunei is very inappropriate to point at something with your pointer finger. Right. Like your index finger, mm-hmm. you have to point with your thumb. You know, like you have to point at things like if you want some, like you, if you want like a mm. fish, you point at the fish with your thumb. Interesting. You know, but then in my head, I'm like, I think about that for my mom who was in her 30s mm-hmm. in a country that speaks a completely different language yeah. and trying to provide meals for her family mm-hmm. and finding out that you cannot point with your, you know, like how yeah. did she learn that? Did, some, did she accidentally yeah. do it and then someone corrected her? Again. Like, no internet. <laughs> <laughs> no internet. You can't like Google like things Wikipedia. To, things to not do in Brunei. You yeah, know, yeah. like. But I think about like the the bravery that it had to. Oh, my crazy. our parents have had to had have yeah what, had to what anyway yep. you know or to even have the faith that your kids will be okay yeah. when you send them to school. school. <laughs> <laughs> like all right, head over. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so so crazy. It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Anyway. Thinking then through that a little bit more too, because you and I are both raised in Christian homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raised in a ministry family, so everywhere we would move to, we would find a church, yeah. and then my parents would immediately get involved. So, right. what was that like for you spiritually? How was it being a Christian in those different cultures for you? Well, my parents were like baby Christians by mm-hmm. the time we left the Philippines. So just like backstory, my parents got saved through a Benny Hinn TV mm. thingy in mm-hmm. the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And um, they, you know, like the Lord used that as a gateway, which is, I'm, I don't know how people feel about that, but that's how it happened. And then it was a door-to-door evangelist after that. And so when my parents eventually left the Philippines, they were like baby, baby Christians. You know, like my, mm. my parents were just studying... We're just even learning how to read the Bible. And so for me, like the earlier parts of us traveling, I just remember going to church, you mm-hmm. know, like we would just go to church. And um, but now in hindsight, I had no idea that my family was a part of an underground church, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because mm. you cannot be a Christian church in Brunei mm. um, unless you were like registered in the government. So they only right. recognize Catholic churches and mm-hmm. certain things like that. But there was a home church that we went to, and I remember everyone sitting on the floor, and it was on the on the uh, the floor level, and it was like the almost like the basement of the house, and we had to do worship very quietly. But I just thought that was like a Christian thing to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like oh yeah, okay, us Christians are not loud, great, Mm -hmm. you know. And then you think about it, you're like oh that's that's kind of crazy to think about. But then when we got to like Canada, for instance, a lot of a lot of it was like church shopping and my parents because they were kind of really new with the with the lord they only knew to find people like them so we Mm -hmm. got involved in like 
Philam churches. Right. Like Filipino, that's uh, short for Filipino-American churches. Mm -hmm. And then they learned a certain level. From there, I remember my dad um, going to EE classes, which is Mm -hmm. evangelism explosion. It's like they teach you how to evangelize. I think that's what EE sounds stands for. And disarm bombs. (laughs) Disarm gospel bombs for everybody. (laughs) And then, um, you know, and then that's, and I remember, like, that's when I, that's the first time I remember ever praying, like, the salvation prayer was with my dad because he was, he was sharing the gospel with us from the things that he was learning from his EE class. Mm -hmm. Culturally, like, it didn't phase me. I was just like, oh, cool, like, this is church. And it doesn't go against the culture. But now, in hindsight, being older, like, like no. Like, I was a part of an underground church. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to be found out. And because uh, Brunei was a predominantly um, Muslim country, but they were mm-hmm. a British colony. And it was very, very crazy. But then, when we got to Canada, it kind of leveled out a lot. Um, I was a really bad kid, though, in church. I just went to church. Mm-hmm. I got in a lot of trouble. But it wasn't until we moved to Florida that I really... I think that culture really affected my walk with the Lord just because Miami, Florida area, like in the early 2000s, that was like, it was just booming. And and as a kid, you just wanted to fit in. And all of a sudden, you're realizing like, oh, the things that I want to do to fit in goes against what the Bible teaches. And then that's the first time I ever got discipled too. That was different for me because my parents were not in ministry they were just mm-hmm. they you know they just loved Jesus and my mom was a, a house mom and then my dad you know worked and stuff but mm-hmm. how was it for you that was different for you because your parents were like in ministry oh yeah and then you were brought up in ministry yes all my life grew up sleeping in sound booths or in not pews but like in the chairs <laughs> but my everywhere we went my mom was a worship leader and my dad was a, an elder or a deacon and being in Mira Mesa, Mira Mesa, um, my parents were actively involved in ministry. So even as early as three or four, I had those memories of being in church. And when we moved to the Philippines, we went to an evangelical church that had like old school hymns. And my parents got me involved in children's choir my parents would serve if they could but it's even though it was a different denominational expression than the assemblies of god church i had first ever encountered Mm -hmm. i still felt like i was able to make friends really easily even though i couldn't speak tagalog quite yet or couldn't understand it there were some really cool friends i was able to make and the i knew the bible stories even though it was in tagalog i understood the bible stories because i know what flannel graphs are and who these bearded men were. <laughs> if it was by a boat, it was Noah. Like, you know, like, yeah, 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 with so animals on it. <laughs> I get it. My parents taught me um, Bible stories pretty well, so I was able to decipher that. But going to church in the Philippines actually helped me learn Tagalog really easily through Bible stories and and then eventually watching Bananas and Pajamas in Tagalog. Bananas <laughs> and Pajamas. Um, and then when we moved to Abu Dhabi... One thing I was super astounded, uh, super astounded by was uh, the freedom of religion there, that there was a freedom of religion for Christians. And I was able to meet a lot of really cool believers out there because the church out there was so rich. There was only yeah. one Christian church that we knew of. So it didn't really matter what denomination you were a part of. There was only one Christian church, so you had to go to that one. Yeah. And there was a unity there 
that I have yet to see in any other church context. Uh, so in this town of Abu Dhabi, there was one church. We were only separated by language. So there was an English congregation, there was a, and there was a huge Filipino congregation. Yeah. And that's the one that we went to. Even though I spoke English, I understood Tagalog, and there were so many Filipinos in Abu Dhabi. We were able to find our community there. And that church felt like any other church that we would attend in the world. Mm -hmm. It was so crazy. Like, going to that church, it didn't feel like, oh, we're in a church in Abu Dhabi. It was like, no, we're a part of the church Yeah. globally. Right. It was so sweet. I love that feeling and that thought that we're all connected. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are a part of a global, a universal body of believers. Yeah. And that's how I really felt that in that community specifically. That's a big deal. So even when we did come back here and moved back to the States, it's still, it was still the same feeling of fellowship, mm -hmm. of deep fellowship that I had um, with these believers. And I think that's what's really cool about being a Christian too is that no matter where you are, you find belonging. Yeah. Even though we're all diverse and speak different languages, there's a, a, just the unity in the spirit that you can't really explain. Right. It's the same all the over same the world. The same thread, yeah. Everywhere. Or where. That's so true. I mean, the expression, you're like you said, is so different. But mm -hmm. And maybe that's the reason why it didn't really faze me, because it just felt like... Church. Church. Yeah. You know, it's like we're in a completely different country, and yet... This is church. We're yeah. having church. We're having church. And there's songs that there's, we sing yeah. that are actually the same songs that we sing. <laughs> Just sometimes in a different language. In a different yeah, continent. Yeah. yeah. At least we generally know what the song's about. And exactly. It's really cool. As third culture kids, then now, thinking about it now and where we're at in our lives as elder millennials. <laughs> elder millennials. Yeah, child. Um, I guess you're more of an elder millennial. <laughs> No offense. Um, no, I am. I think I'm. In, I think I'm like in the middle. You're kind. I think you're kind of in the middle. I'm. I'm the mean average of millennials. My oldest brother is like the elder of elder. Yes. Millennials. The Elrond of. Elrond of millennials. He was there. He was there when it when started. Sa when Sauron was defeated, um, initially, and got his finger cut off. Anyways. Um, but as millennials in ministry currently, how has being a third culture kid affected your approach to ministry now? This may be a lot heavier. I know. I'm like, of a question for immediately. you. I apologize. I love diversity, but it's also my normal. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I think it is more abnormal when there is a lack of diversity. Ah, yes. Does that make sense? Like, like it's totally normal, but when you notice that a place isn't diverse, that's when you're like, you're like huh. wait, this is so different for me. Yeah, it's the it's a different. It's, norm. it's kind of the opposite. I don't know if if I like just trained myself to think like this, but mm. it's like it's one of the first things that I notice. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there isn't really much diversity here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what I immediately right. notice. But if it was like hecka diverse, mm -hmm. I would just walk right in and be like, oh, this is, this is it. This is it. This is what? This is normal. Yeah. That's how I normally think when it comes mm. into like stepping into a ministry or stepping or like serving with one or mm. with different people. I love culture differences when it mm. comes to like churches. Yeah. It's, and 
And at the same time, like now being in service and being in full-time ministry and all that jazz, I look for the chances to practice those differences mm-hmm. or to even celebrate different cultures yeah. or to find out where people are from or that kind of stuff. And so there is, there's, certain, there's a certain level of like cultural curiosity that just gets me really excited that's a good term does that make sense curiosity yeah like oh how do you guys do it like Mm -hmm. how do you guys do it oh dang like they're you know their order of service is a little different why do they decide Mm -hmm. to do it like that what is their culture you know and not necessarily culture as in like where are you from culture but like Mm -hmm. what kind of culture has been created at this church which is which is always really kind of exciting to Mm -hmm. step into but now within our church i mean faith and i go to the same church i feel like it's Mm -hmm. the same thing like we we find opportunities to to celebrate those things and then opportunities for even the rest of the church who also have their own cultures Mm -hmm. you know the rest of the members of the body to be like oh i you know Mm -hmm. i could be I could be me, yeah. you know, and to come in and stuff. And so cause everybody brings a story into it and it, it gets exciting. Mm-hmm. But that's, a, that's what excites me about ministry the most, I think, mm-hmm. is to be able to, like, discover those things yeah. and stuff. Your ministry is very different from mine. How is it for you? Yeah. Well, I'm a worship leader, so uh, I, because I have a quote-unquote platform role in ministry, um, People super love diversity. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wow, you're brown. Could you please come and be on the platform to show that we have brown people? (laughs) So it's like a representation thing. And I get it. Some people are like, isn't that a little offensive to you, you know, that they only want you because you're brown? I'm like, first of all, uh, it's not, (laughs) that's just because I'm brown. Like, maybe I'm okay at leading worship. Then my insecurity kicks in. She's like, Filipino. I'm Stere- Filipino. Stereotype as we can all say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's really sweet that um, the church in the West, specifically, just want to make sure that people's cultures and ethnicities are being honored. Um, there's an argument that some people make. It's like, well, you're a Christian first, and then you're Filipino. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would even go, to, go so far as to say, like, I'm just a believer, period. But mm-hmm. I am also a Filipino-American woman. Um, and there's a lot of history behind why I am the way that I am, how I was raised, and where I've been for people to invite me into a conversation because of who I am ethnically. Yeah. Is actually really sweet. Yeah. I'm totally fine with that. I don't think they're pandering. I don't. I don't necessarily see it like that. Um, it's the opportunity. It's the opportunity it's to provide deal. a different perspective right. on methods of ministry. And I've been asked that too. Where um, there are times where I've been known to be a little bit more of the Pentecostal uh, worship leader, which is so funny because I'm just. <laughs> I just love like worship worshiping passionately and I I don't come from just a Pentecostal background my parents were um were saved through assemblies of God but we've like I said earlier that we went to so many different kinds of denominations that I was able to see a lot of the beauty in the different expressions of faith and expressions of the Christian belief in the different ways that the church has throughout history even has adopted these different things, like how we lead worship. Are we on a piano? Are we on a guitar? Are we just an organ? Like all of these things, I think all of that is so beautiful. So 
to come at it with, yeah, the ethnic background that I have of just being brown, but also coming at the background of having experienced different denominations in different cultures has definitely given me a funny perspective on ministry to the point where like, I think a lot of the stuff that we concern ourselves with in the church in the West, I I don't see as a big problem sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Where um, you see on Twitter people uh, up in arms about specific things about worship music and worship styles. And, and I just think of it like, why are we so riled up about this specific yeah. thing? People worship differently, right. you know? Why is this a hot topic debate? Having been raised as a third culture kid, these things don't really concern me as much as mm-hmm. I think a lot of my friends concern as a lot of them concern my friends uh, who are also in ministry yeah so I guess that's that's how that's interesting and different in my specific context of ministry is there is there pros to how we look at things like or how we are as as um as third culture kids like Uh even with just what we shared like to some people that might sound different yeah you know what I mean um I there's a lot of fear, yeah. especially specifically with the church in the West. I don't know. I, I, I see that I only see pros, obviously, because right. as a third culture kid, I'm like, wow, like there, we do have a broadened view, but we're also very uh, aware that we need to be humble in our approach for things because some people may be afraid of change because of like what some certain churches in their church culture have done for a long time, and that has worked for them. We as third culture kids, we are to be more mindful of that, too. Because in the same way that being a third culture kid is a cultural thing for us, too. Yeah. So there has to be, like, a mutual respect for people who have have been rooted longer than us. That's been a challenge. Because then, even though we have the perspective of a broad, this really broad, like, worldwide perspective towards Christianity, we also have to honor the deeply rooted traditions of certain churches. Yeah. I think it's just like growing up like this, you're innately flexible Yeah, <laughs> with things. And I think that's just, I think that's a part of it too. Growing up in different cultures and entering different cultures at very rapid paces, you know, within yeah. a year at a time, like you just start to train yourself to learn how to adjust, also learn yeah. how to be a, a contributing part to that culture, but also learn the the celebration of diversity. But also, it's it's kind of a it's it's a combination of all these things that you you've you didn't know you're training yourself to do just because you're entering into those things. Yeah. And I think we do bring that into ministry, yeah. where we're not timid. We're almost like okay, mm. cool. Tell yeah. me, tell me what this looks like. We're here. observers first. Yes, I think as third culture kids, people are like, "You have this experience. Tell us right now what we should change." And you're like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" Like, I'm still learning. All my life, <laughs> I've entered into a new environment, and I have to watch. Yeah, because I'm afraid of just like, okay, right off the bat, I know we got to change this. <laughs> yeah. Like, never a good idea right. if you're moving to Brunei. Or Abu Dhabi. And a lot of the times, our heart is not to change it. No. You know, because, I mean, can you imagine, like, going into a culture and be like, I'm going to change this culture? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It isn't that. It's like, you just see, like, oh, okay, this is the culture. How do I then mm-hmm. 
uh, interact with this culture? Yeah. What is my role in this culture? And then is there things about this culture that might need a wind? Mm-hmm. And so and, and that's where we kind of learn it. And then in a ministry level, that's sometimes what happens. You're yeah. just kind of like, okay, I'm here. Now how do I, how do I become a contributing factor to right. this ministry? And then is there things in this culture that we really do need to celebrate and like mm-hmm. value a little bit more? And mm-hmm. then is there things about this culture where, um, oh, this is, this is a little different from mm-hmm. what I think would be beneficial for all the people. But I don't right. know. So that's very, very interesting. I love it. I know. <laughs> that's good. Super weird. What has sucked about being a third culture? <laughs> Let's get into the nitty gritty of that for you. What has sucked about being a third culture? Kid? So I'm married. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we're both married. Yes. and um, Not to each other. Not to each other. <laughs> To separate people. Yes. Um, men. Men. Dudes. So my husband was also born in the Philippines, but when he moved to the U.S., he's lived in one place mm-hmm. all his life. Right. And he has friends, like, even now, to this day, I know these people because he's still friends with them, but he has friends that he's known since, like, junior high, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, like one of his best friends lives in, like, a, a city not far from here, and, like, still talks to the girl that, you know, that he went to homecoming with. Like, like has that kind of, I don't, we don't have that. Like, yeah, no longevity. No longe- <laughs> you um, know, and I, I do get a little jealous of, like, the hometown life. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes or sense. Like the hometown life. Like, like dang, like, mm. I know that person. Like, Royce can visit Corona and, like, go into a Target and, like, spot a high school friend. Mm-hmm. Like, there's... It's not a thing for me. No. Like, I can't... I get a little jealous of that. There's, like, a certain level of, like, mm, hometown life. But you just never... Mm-hmm. I'll never have that. Right. Yeah. Like you said, we are married to not each other. <laughs> and my husband's the same thing. But he uh, he was able to develop in a... He matured very differently than I did. Yeah. I think you and I both matured kind of quickly for... Your average millennial, because of the moving and being a part of different cultures whose age of adulthood was like 14, <laughs> 13 or 14. Yes. So, like, you have to be a full, fully grown person um, pretty early and you have to mature really fast because you're adapting and assimilating to different environments. It, it, you have just, we just have different childhoods. Another thing that kind of sucks about being a third culture kid is, you know, the end of Return of the King when <laughs> Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin come back from essentially saving Middle Earth and they come back to the Green Dragon and they're in complete silence and the Shire had no idea what they just did that they saved everyone and evil as they knew it. And they just sat there, and no one was thanking them. No one was like, hey, how was your um, trip to... Your conquest. Um, <laughs> to the gates of Mordor. And they just sat there, and they looked You're at each other. you finger. It's like, you haven't left. You grew a pumpkin. That's all you've done. And I trekked all the way across Middle Earth to drop off this ring in a volcano. And no, no one cared. And that, that's, that's a con. <laughs> Yeah. About being a third culture that kid. Feeling. That feeling of like, wow, I have experienced so much in my life. I'm not saying that to like brag necessarily, but just like 
But the reality of, like, you've spent your time traveling the world um, in your early formative years that you kind of wish you could share that with someone. Right. Or even just talk to someone about it. Or just have someone even understand what that's like. Yeah. It's really hard to explain it. It's really hard to explain it. And so because of that, you, I, I tend to feel more isolated and tend to feel a lack of belonging. That hometown feel that you were talking about. Yeah. Like that hometown Shire feel. I think it's really sweet when you get to meet other third culture kids. Like I, how I was able to meet you in 2011. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, oh my gosh, wow, you are also a third culture kid. Yeah. So it was like a Frodo and Sam situation. It's like, hey, we've both experienced um, the Gates of Mordor. And <laughs> here we are finding belonging with one another. And yeah. That's both a pro and con. I think the last, I think in my head, the last pro con that I can think of is the itchiness of travel. Ugh, I just gotta go. We we are very broke. <laughs> if we were wealthy, this would not be a situation. Not be a problem. Like, I constantly will make notepads of different cities I want to visit and then just hope for the best <laughs> that I can go to yeah, this place. We, yeah. I get an itch Ugh. to exit, exit the location. Totally. Yeah, so here's to Lord of the Rings and... <laughs> Feeling, <laughs> feeling alone. Feeling alone and in <laughs> silence. So there's that. That's that's just in a nutshell. What, what we are. <laughs> what who we are. What we are. What we've done. And I think it's sweet that we get to explore this even more. Yeah. As the season progresses. True. Yay! We did it. That's us. This is us. Oh, we should invite them to the Instagram. So we have an Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at. Third Culture Pod. You can email your questions to us at thirdculturepod at gmail.com or DM us. Personally, I am on Instagram at Faithology and Chris is on Instagram as Patricia Krista Rule. Yeah. We want to wrap up our time with things we like. I mean, we'll think of a cooler name for this segment yeah. later, but. Krista, what are, what's what's a thing that you like right now? Uh, like right right now, right, like, right now. like heck of binging right now um, <laughs> is weirdly Miss Universe reaction videos. That's not weird. That's normal. It's honestly like the, one of the funnest things, especially because the most recent mm-hmm. Miss Universe of 2019 just just happened, and South Africa won it this year. Ah, and she's gorgeous and just incredible and. Um, and so, and, and then, um, Catriona Gray, yes. Miss Philippines from 2018, Miss Philippines. you know, her reign just ended and she had done such incredible things oh, she's and magical. she's magical. And so beautiful. I just, I just love, I don't know. The Philippines, when it comes to Miss Universe is just like a different level of hype. Oh, like, it really is. Like the Philippines as a country will literally... Like, everyone, like, at your workplace, they'll set up, like, giant screens just mm-hmm. so that everybody would could watch it together. And react. And, and then they would together. just, like, lose it together. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so much fun. And then I can't help it, but whenever I watch those things, I just cry. <laughs> I just, like, sit in front of my YouTube video with, like, Filipinos cheering on Miss Philippines. And oh, I'm just, like, yes. crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe out of pride or out of whatever. I don't even know, but whatever I love it that is. stuff. What about you, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I guess not as emotional as that, but that, that is really fun, <laughs> watching fun. those reaction videos to anything, really. Right now, I'm really loving Stephen King's book on writing. Okay. It's called On Writing. 
I've never read any one of Stephen King's books because I'm too scared. <laughs> we're, too, we're pansy. Yes, but <laughs> this is by suggestion f- from uh, Brooke Frazier, Brooke Ledgerwood, who's like, hey, you want to get better at writing? Read Stephen King's book on writing. And so I did that. And learning about how he writes was really liberating for me. He's just like, don't worry about plot. Just tell a story. He was giving a lot of permission for people like me or, and you who just want to write. Just put it out there. And he makes it easy. And it's the worst because then you don't have any excuse but to write. But to write. <laughs> so I have since stopped reading this book. <laughs> I closed it. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, it's really great. All right. Well, that's it. We did it. We're hoping to have some future guests on the pod some of our other friends who we also super love hopefully we can get them on here on here follow us on instagram and that'd be great cool all right well bye 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 bye